let's just be quiet before the Lord as we wait on him. We want to hear from him from his word. May the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Dear friends, as I've already said, it's, it's a tremendous delight to be with you. And, uh, and Flory and Andrew, it's a great honor for me to be able as bishop to confirm you in this holy service this morning. Friends, we've been looking forward to uh, this day for a while. And it's interesting how uh, I find you read the Bible according to the situation you find yourselves in. I'm amazed how many times the Apostle Paul apologizes to churches for not being there with them when he had hoped to be. It's interesting, Romans, he hadn't got there yet. Second Corinthians, he had to say, it wasn't when I said I was coming that I was duplicitous. And he goes on and says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And here in Thessalonica, which is the passage we're looking at this morning, 1 Thessalonians 1, uh, he also, uh, later on in chapter 2, apologizes again. And he actually describes the fact that uh, he said that he was torn away uh, in person, not in heart. I get that. And in fact, uh, we have been separated, all of us, from one another in very real ways. Isn't it wonderful that now in person you can have worship as you are? Uh, with the restrictions, it's still so much better. Uh, and for me to be able to be with you as bishop is a delight. Now, my text comes from verses 2 and 3 of chapter 1. And then uh, a verse near the end of the letter, which you may recognize if, if you know about the theme for our coming synod. Paul says, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Remembering before our God uh, and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then, near the end, he says, He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. In a confirmation service, there are two sides to the same coin which are going on. On the one hand, two individuals are going to stand up and now as young adults of their own volition are going to be saying some things on behalf of themselves. They'll be confirming what was said for them in their baptism a number of years ago by their parents and godparents. But now on their own two feet, of their own choosing, they're saying, I turn from my sin. I have invited Christ into my life. Uh, I am walking with him. And I am wanting to walk and be part of the church and serve God in the company of God's people. All of that, they're now saying on their own behalf. And that's a big deal. So that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is the fact of what God is doing. And in fact, as bishop, 
It's my honor in the historic fashion as is recorded in Acts 8 and Acts 19 and 2 Corinthians 1 and 1 Timothy, sorry, 2 Timothy 1 and 1 Timothy 4 talks about laying on of hands for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I don't know how it's going to feel for you, Flory and Andrew. You may not feel anything other than relief that you made it through. Uh, <laughs> But what you should know is way more than that is happening. Whether you feel it or not, God is going to do a profound work in you and through you, just as he already has begun. And that's very big and very wonderful. Now, in the text which I've read, he says, We give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers, he says, your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope. He's talking about our role in this. But then he goes on and it says an interesting thing. He says, verse 4, he says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. And then we begin to think about the more significant thing is what's God doing? What has God done? And what we discover is before the foundations of the world, before anything was that was, God already had you, each of you, not just the two being confirmed, in mind, knew you by name, and had good plans for you in Jesus. And so this service of confirmation, which is about a commitment, which is being articulated by two individuals in this confirmation service, and you, a commitment when it has to do with the service whole communion, and then all of us, whether in being confirmed or in receiving the bread of the wine, are responding and receiving what the Lord has for us. I, want, I have four things that I think come from from this passage. Now, let me just say a word about the situation. I think to, to read the Bible well, you've got to be a little bit like a detective or a journalist. You've got to read this passage here, but piece it together with this passage over there and figure it out how they all work together. Because it's the same Lord, the same Holy Spirit, and he's trying to get to us. So, I want to suggest to you that in Acts of the Apostles, written by Luke, we know that, the last half, from about chapter 12 on to the end of chapter 28 of Acts, could be described as a travel log of the Apostle Paul, who used to be Saul of Tarsus. And I remember learning you know, how to draw, draw the Mediterranean and do those dot, 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 dots for Paul's first missionary journey and his second missionary journey. Oh, he went, oh, and up to all those things. Well, Acts, I don't know if anybody thinks the way I do. You probably don't. But, but bear with me anyway. Uh, and so, so there, we see, have this travelogue of what happened. But the epistles of Paul kind of fill in the gaps in a very significant way. We discover what he is thinking and was thinking and some of the struggles that the churches were going through that you might not have known if you're just reading Acts in it alone. Now, the situation in which 1 Thessalonians was written, I can say with authority, comes as a result of Acts 18.5. And I think it's pretty interesting. Because, you see, Acts 17 is the account of how the church in Thessalonica began. 
Incidentally, Thessaloniki, the modern Thessaloniki is the second largest city in Greece today, and the church is very strong in Thessaloniki. There's an exciting thing of God going on. We have friends in Greece, and we're aware of that, and it's wonderful. So God continues to work as he did then. But Paul was involved, and uh, maybe you'll remember that, you know, three consecutive Sabbaths, he preached in the, in the synagogue. More and more people came. He was seeking to persuade them that Jesus was the Christ, and he had to die for their sins and rise again. And people were being persuaded, and others, they called the Jews, were not so happy about this. And so they stirred up what they called some rabble-rousers who caused a riot, and eventually Paul was run out of town. And the church in Thessalonica began in the midst of great conflict and controversy and persecution. If you named the name of Jesus in Thessalonica, you were going to suffer for it. But interestingly, it says in, in the, that having described that, it says this, you know what, uh, it says, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So even in the face of these struggles, God caused an inner side joy, which even the troubles couldn't extinguish. It was amazing. And so it is that, an act, that Paul, uh, having been drummed out of Thessalonica, went down to, uh, to Berea and then on to Athens, and then he sent Timothy and, and Silas back to Thessalonica, and then they came back down, and then he went on to Corinth, and now he's waiting in Corinth, worrying and worrying and praying and worrying for Thessalonica church. Timothy and Silas are dispatched, and by Acts 18, verse 5, they've arrived. And it says that they, they uh, I better just read it. It doesn't sound like a very significant thing, but he says this. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, meaning Thessalonica, Paul was occupied with the word testifying to the Jews. And so it's at that moment that Paul writes this letter. He's so relieved, so thrilled, so happy to hear the report of Timothy and Silas, of what's going on in the Thessalonian church, even in the midst of such difficulties. And he finally says, now I really live. And I think if, it was, if he was me, he'd be saying, yahoo, and way to go, and Hooray, praise the Lord, and things like that. And he may have said the equivalent. Uh, but anyway, it was a, a, a source of great joy. So the thanksgiving to God permeate, permeates the whole letter. And he gets it that from a human viewpoint, you would think the persecution would have wiped out the church right at the beginning. But instead of that, it's growing and growing and growing. You would think a pandemic would wipe out the church. But instead of that, God is doing a work even in our midst. Four things that I want to list to you that we thank God from, which are from this first chapter. First of all, he obviously chose you. He says in verse 4, he says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, verse 5, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. He's saying, we know that this is God. This was God's idea. This is a God thing because of the way the gospel came to you. And sure, Paul was the one who articulated the message, 
But he didn't have any sense of ownership as if, wasn't I great? Boy, I really fired on all cylinders that day. No wonder they all believe. He didn't think that at all. He was thinking, is it incredible what the Spirit of God does? The message came with full conviction and with the Holy Spirit and deep power. Number one. Obviously, this is a God thing because of the way the gospel came to you. Secondly, it's obvious that it's a God thing because of the way you responded. Verse uh, 5 goes on, and uh, 6 says, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit. I've already read that. Rather than thinking, I, I hear the, the folks already jeering at us and mocking us and threatening us. No way I'm going to respond to that. No. Even in the face of that, they said yes to Jesus and yes to walking with him, whatever the cost. Though none go with me, still I will follow. That was their, their theme. The joy of the Holy Spirit. So first, the way the gospel came. Second, their response. Third, the witness that flowed from it. Listen to this, verse 7. He said, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. It was like a bell. It was going ding, ding, ding. Look at what's going on in Thessalonica. Can you see it? God is freeing people from, from sin and Satan and his demonic realm and all the things that bound them and making them new people in Christ. Ding, 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 ding. Look at that. And it was going out to the whole world. Paul said, I didn't have to say a word. I didn't have to promote you or promote anything about you. The Spirit of God did it in you and through you and you became a witness. God chose you, it's obvious, because of the way the gospel came to you. God chose you, it's obvious, because of the way you responded. God chose you, it's obvious, because of the way the witness went out. And do you know, St. Aidan's church and all of you are a powerful witness in Christ to the people around, in ways that you have no idea, and it's good that we don't, because we'd get proud if we realized the impact that God could well be doing even through us. Fourthly, this is obviously a God thing because our posture is in looking forward, not in fear to the return of Christ, but with a sense of anticipation. Because I have the robes of righteousness on me. Uh, and I, so the white is supposed to, and you have, you are wearing the robes of righteousness, whatever color you may be wearing today. Uh, and in fact, the red is supposed to be like the the, the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit. But listen to verse 10 of chapter 1. And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Jesus is a righteous judge. And outside of Christ, the return of Christ is an awesome and scary thing. That's why we have to get the message out. Because the only way to look with confidence to the return of Christ is when you're in Christ when you've run to him by faith and received his forgiveness and his righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we could become the righteousness of God. He gets our sin, we get his righteousness. It's a very good deal. And it's a wonderful deal in Jesus. Dear friends, 
This is a service of great thanksgiving today, this confirmation. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus, Paul said, direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that you may, he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. More and more holiness, he says in 1 Thessalonians 4. More and more love, he says in 1 Thessalonians 4. More and more Jesus. Is this just, gee, I hope this is going to happen. Wouldn't it be grand if it did? No fear. He who calls you is faithful. And he will surely do it. Would you stand with me as we pray? Lord Jesus, we stand amazed at the way you work. Your thoughts are not our thoughts, and your ways are not our ways. You are so amazing. And in the midst of such unpromising things, and with such unpromising people such as me, you come and in your mercy not only forgive, but even witness to yourself, to this world that needs you so much. We thank you for the two who are to be confirmed today for their family, for their extended family, and for their church family. And we pray, Lord, that all of us, that no one would miss out, all would receive the Lord Jesus, and that together you might make us a powerful witness to the Windsor and extended area, and ultimately to the whole world. And we thank you, Lord, our confidence is not in ourselves, but on you who are faithful. And you will surely do it, we know. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.